Good morning, wonderful listeners. You've tuned into Post Session Podcast, a podcast filled with the stoke of a surf session and the wise guidance of an ocean voyager. Your water-loving hosts are ready to share this infectious state of mind while encouraging and inspiring you for your next adventure. We're rolling, sister. Okay. Hey, post-session podcast friends. We are in house studio today. Yeah, Casa de Laurel. Casa de Laurel. As we usually are. (laughs) (laughs) And um, just want to introduce a special guest today. Yes, introduce Lisa. I have a new friend in the water, surfer. Um, She's pretty new in town. She came to Wilmington by way of Seattle and Hawaii. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she's also a um, mom, a surfer, and a nurse practitioner. Yeah. And she does, she has her own business. It's like a burnout prevention for healthcare workers. Yeah. I look forward to sucking all of your tips and tricks Juice. out of your brain. Yeah. Today, Lisa, because I'm a chronic burnout. Suffering. Failure. <laughs> Welcome, by the way. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Lovely intro. And I am very excited to have met Laurel and have a new surfing buddy and her extension of buddies to uh, get to know in this community. So. Yeah, I think the preferred vernacular is posse. Hmm. That's her posse. <laughs> hmm. She pays them. Yeah. Hang around. <laughs> Keep, uh, yeah, they're like bodyguards, That's really. That's paparazzi, what you're thinking of. Mm. <laughs> so, or hooey, hooey, like they say in Hawaii, your hooey surfer. Oh. I was actually thinking, coming from, yes, because we're not in Hawaii. I was actually thinking, Lisa, coming from Hawaii, do you feel like this is a downgrade? For sure. <laughs> <laughs> She's slumming it. Yeah, are you slumming right now? Did you you just, mean for the surf yeah. or the people or which part? <laughs> did you just need you some pick. cheap real estate? What's going on here? Why did you come back? <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> um, all of it. I mean, we we loved Hawaii. It was amazing. We lived the dream. It was especially awesome without children mm-hmm. <laughs> because we could afford it as middle class, blue collar workers. My husband's a marine biologist. At the time, I was a nurse, nurse practitioner. Um, and we could do all the things, snorkel, scuba dive, surf, you know, Mm -hmm. anytime we wanted, but once babies come along, it's a little hard to be spontaneous and then it costs more. And so you get like, you're scratching full time over time and you're barely having time to do the things you love. Mm. Ooh, yeah. No one's, uh, pulling the plug on the treadmill. It's just going and going. (laughs) Yeah. So talk about burnout and then the reality of aging parents, you know, sandwich generation. Yeah. I'm in that. Um, all our trips became sick parents to the mainland. And mm. so you kind of want to travel. And unless you've got lots of money to get off the rock of the island. Yeah, like me. You, Yeah. Sorry. You just kind of drive in circles there. And we love the circles. <laughs> but after a while, you want to take your kids to Grand Canyon or like, you know, somewhere new. And so this, this town was where my husband uh, went to, did his master's and here in Wilmington. And he's been begging me to move here for 13 years. Awesome. And so finally, just, you know, Seattle having changed enough for the negative and the pandemic and starting a business, he finally won. And it honestly, it's perfect for us right now. Mm. I think um, it doesn't feel like a downgrade. I would say it's a new culture, a new experience. Um, and it's, we can afford it. So we don't have to work as much. It's a very livable place, <laughs> which I know sounds glib, but you know, it's easy to live here. Yeah. Cause yeah. for all those reasons you mentioned. Yeah. And the people are pretty nice. People are awesome. <laughs> but I find that same experience, like Hawaii might've been a culmination or a, um, kind of an apex of extended travel that you and your husband had. And then you kind of made it to Hawaii. But when kids come along. You realize that you want to provide all those experiences that you those experiences you had already had, so you start back over. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's a he's a coral reef specialist, so he was there for twenty years, and he went there. He designed his career to end up there, and I was going to nursing school there and just wanted to learn to surf. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I think that again, it comes back to burnout and like values. And so we just decided we wanted to work less. Mm-hmm. So we were willing to take subpar surf <laughs> and a little bit more hot, humid weather um, and Southern culture for the trade-off of like, we just want to have more time to live. Notice the Southern culture fell in the negative I pile. Heard that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say anything, but I heard that too. <laughs> And I was thinking, um, plus we get Southern culture, but, you know, whatever. Have you again. ever heard of the band Southern Culture on the Skids? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. have. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Why don't we... Move into some post-session notes. That's right. Tell us, Lisa, when were you in the water last time? I was in the water Friday, no, Saturday, no, Sunday. It's a little blur because I've had your a story lot of good sessions in the last week. It was Sunday morning with the Mermaid Crew, which is a crew of women I think you're aware of that Laurel introduced me to. Um, and it was small and glassy and everyone's friendly. And another thing I like here better than Hawaii. Part of the Southern culture. in the waves. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So you went surfing with the mermaid crew on Saturday. Yeah. Were you there? And and you know what? I wasn't there, but um actually I did surf that morning but earlier and the mermaid crew came over to my house. And Lisa too. Oh, oh to do the movie thing. To do the movie night. Yeah, how'd that go? It was so fun. I, I got bet. to I got to meet new surfer girls, ladies, and um we all got a little help in a stoke and mm-hmm. um I got to show off a couple of cool short flicks. Ashley was a big part of Wakshu Wahini. Uh, I couldn't be here. I worked. (laughs) So awesome. It was such a great movie. I love that. I can't wait to see what happens next. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Uh And I read like the first little uh, part of the book. So yeah, that was kind of scary. I don't know. Did did you like it? Oh, well, yeah, come on. Of course of she's going to say yes. She knows I just, better. No, I hated it. I wanted yeah, it recorded no. <laughs> for prospect. Actually, I have some edits yeah. uh, that I wanted to share with you. <laughs> okay, but so. One thing, okay. one thing I wished that you would do now is I want to see like a North Shore video, like movie about the chicks in Wrightsville. Because I love your Waxu Wahine, how it's funny in fiction. But then it made me think like more about the women's stories of Wrightsville Beach. Yeah. That's been on my back burner, like the any given morning, but it more because what's unique is any given morning was shot back in 2006 when I was one of like five ladies surfing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's only a couple of women in there and then it'd be awesome. There's so many women out there's, there now. There's a lot. But there's yeah. a lot. of. It'd be nice to interview some of the women who have been there a long time. And there's some that I didn't know about that, you know, that shape boards and and different ones so it'd be really cool to do that so that's that's on the back burner way way back right now but so my post-session note mm. is um well it's summertime the water's warm mm-hmm. we're all out of our rubber and it's beautiful the sunrise we can get out there at 5 45 really and catch the sunrise mm-hmm. but the crowds have arrived. Oh, no. Don't tell me because I've, I'm thinking well, it's time for me to get out there. It is time for you to get out but there. I but I don't like a crowd. Well, we will get you to a safe place. <laughs> yeah, it is a little unnerving because I'm recovering from shoulder surgery. And I told Laurel the other day in the water, like, I haven't been out with this many people because I'm still kind of relearning and getting the muscle memory. And But everyone's so nice. Like, nobody has called me off a wave or yelled anything maybe I've just been lucky so you've been with me no I'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) well I'll say uh was it Sunday morning or Saturday morning you know I've got a new longboard new used longboard and this really really nice guy ran me over and put his fin right in my surfboard Oh, is it nicked up? Oh yeah it's nicked up right now I've got uh packing tape on it because I don't have time before the contest. I leave next Monday or Tuesday. You got to take it to somebody. You have time. No, I don't want to. I'm not taking it with me to California, so I'm just going to use it till I get there. So anyway, that was a little disappointing. But I want to say Southern culture, this sweet guy apologized profusely, walked me up the beach, said he'd, I said, it's going to be like 70. 
dude, it's going to be like $75. He's like, I- I'll Venmo you right now. And Maybe? I was like, yeah, he did. And then I was like, I, well, first of all, I didn't know. First, he apologized after I was like, what's going on? And, and he was super apologetic, but I didn't realize he'd fend my board. But I think he probably knew. He had fended my board because he would have felt it. <laughs> but oh, no. I paddled back out. And then I even apologized to him for kind of yelling like, hey, man, you know, we all make mistakes. And then five minutes later, I see the big gash. And I'm like, oh, you, you, my board is this brand new. And and anyway, he walked up the beach, Venmoed me $75, found some duct tape in his car, helped me, you know. And so I had to say, like, if I had to be run over by anybody at least i was run over by zach yeah was it zach <laughs> was it zach not the zach you know oh okay All right. <laughs> well it's beautiful i can't imagine that happening in hawaii i don't want to talk bad about hawaii but the only time i've been finned or finned somebody it did not end like that <laughs> <laughs> well you probably don't have a mouth like laurel does either the guy was probably terrified not to send her the money <laughs> I will stalk you. Let's be honest. (laughs) All right. How about you, Ashley? I went diving this weekend in the quarry. Mm. Uh, So exciting. I did get to go to 20 meters. Nice. That's as deep as we made it. How deep can you go there at the quarry? Only 32 meters. Okay. Um, But we weren't weren't way out there. Uh, Anyway, the exciting thing, though, is that we bought the kids just yesterday their own surfboard to share because my husband can surf i think he's pretty good too yeah he is good yeah he can handle himself um i'm learning she's got a board though a beautiful hand-shaped board thank you jason andre and then um yeah, we bought the kids. They borrowed Laurel's soft top last year. So we bought them a soft top yesterday. And I'm very excited. They were very excited. Oh, I bet. I, I bet. love the soft top. I'm a huge fan. Huge fan. Yeah, I've, I've been, uh, it's been growing on me after shoulder surgery recovery. Let's put it like that. <laughs> but I, um, it, there's challenge, it proposes challenges too. I will say that as far as having, um, some ability to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with the crowds, I've been thinking about upgrading back to my longboard and ditching the soft top because also I'm still getting used to beach break here. It's a little different than mm-hmm. reef break in mm-hmm. Hawaii. Um, but I agree. Soft top is so nice. You know, it doesn't hurt when it hits It doesn't you. hurt. <laughs> That's why I love it with the kids because we can put, it, put them on the soft top by themselves mm-hmm. with no experience and let them... Yeah kind of suss things out relatively risk-free you know and it just catches i mean here in wrightsville it's nice to have an option when it's small right so it's just such a better wave catcher we're only going when it's slow small (laughs) well i've got a friend he's a dentist Uh bigger staff and he always brings two boards out he'll start on his regular board and once it gets crowded he switches to the soft top just to like safety just for yeah well yeah i think so and it's easier to catch and he can you know because he rides a shorter board so so then he's not competing as you know as much with the crowd he's not having to charge yeah he just hang back and then yeah catch catch what he wants yeah awesome let's uh let's go ahead and Let's see if Lisa has an injustice of the week for us. Okay. Do you have an injustice? Drum roll, please. (laughs) I mean, the the South is so nice. I have no injustices, right? Wow, nothing to complain about. I do have one, and it is a little more serious. Um, Because I'm in healthcare and I'm passionate about holistic preventative medicine, Um, And I'm passionate about my father who has dementia. Um, He went into the ICU this week and he's doing great. He's, he's doing great. I'll just start with that now, but he, the, him getting admitted is a real challenge for me as a geriatric trained hospice trained nurse practitioner in our, the frustration and the, how we go towards treatment in Western medicine versus prevention. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. He fell. Uh, about 10 days ago, and he was not doing well, got evaluated by a nurse, was still at home in his assisted living. And long story short, he just was in bed, not communicating what was going on. And 
finally not eating. And my mom took him to the ER. And the way our medical system works, my dad's vital signs were perfect. He was breathing perfect. Mm -hmm. He had some pain. They found five broken ribs. Mm. Ouch. And he had a urinary tract infection. Mm -hmm. But where I come from, to put an elderly man with dementia through, admit the patient, go to the ICU, exposed to COVID, all that and the cost is not necessary. Like this could have been handled as an outpatient. Um, And he got transferred to the trauma center of Seattle. So you've got an elderly man getting multiple transfers. They admit him to the ICU. And I'm on the phone with the nurse. Like, why is he in the ICU? He's not, he's presenting fine. He's got broken ribs. Well, protocol. If you break more than three ribs at that age, we have to admit him to the ICU. And I said, well, why? (laughs) And the nurse is like, you know, it's just protocol in case something goes wrong with his lungs. And I said, well, his lungs are fine. His bile signs are good. He's breathing good. And she's like, I know this is just what happens. Mm -hmm. And their protocols are based probably on liability insurance type mm -hmm. things. Yeah, It's gotta be right. Absolutely. But Mm. it is a little bit of a frustration when you think about America and how backwards our medical system is. We spend so much on treatment. Mm -hmm. ICU is, I'm guessing, what, 25 grand a night? I Mm. don't exactly know. Um, But literally, they discharge him the next day because he was doing great to the Mm -hmm. downgrade. Um, You know, and it just seems so wasteful. If we could spend more on prevention and education and outpatient types situation so what would you like in that circumstance if you had been the intake person obviously you probably have to follow rules but say the rules weren't there like your mode of what would have been a preventative thing um for him i would have i would have liked there to be a conversation about goals of care and if no one if folks aren't familiar with that is that's like what are your desires towards the end of life Um, do you want full treatment or do you want to be comfortable at home? Mm -hmm. And if the ER had training in that triage that they could have asked my mom, do you want this man to go through the system to the ER? Or do you want us to send you home with pain meds, antibiotics for his urinary tract infection and follow up with your doctor on Monday? And at that point, (laughs) yeah, exactly. You know, and that's legal. She, we have a choice. Now, I'm not saying for everyone to like refuse hospitalizations and this and that, but you have a choice as a patient to know like in your gut, do I need all this or do I want to just stay at home or manage this? And so I just wish there was more education around what that's going to do to someone with dementia at 85 to transfer hospitals, to be exposed to COVID, you know, versus could we just manage this at home? And so that's one change. I would look at. Um, Mm -hmm. I think also just when I think about symptoms, think about jungle medicine, rural medicine, surfer Mm -hmm. medicine. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you look at symptoms. We're not looking at imaging. We're not looking at um, tests all the time. Back in the day, you just looked at symptoms. And so it's kind of like when you're out surfing and you cut yourself and you're like, okay, how bad is this? Can I Mm -hmm. keep surfing Mm -hmm. (laughs) or do I need to go get stitches? You make a decision. And so I think it's really about like trusting your intuition and not always feeling like Western medicine has all the answers. Uh, Yeah. Well, I have two things. One is that I'm sure like having this conversation with like-minded people is easy. Because, yeah, I'm very capable of making decisions about my health care based on my goals, like you like you mentioned, you know, and just using the logical thinking part of my brain. However, I really feel like um, the rules that your father, the protocol your father was being held to is designed to keep litigious people from suing the crap out of the hospital. You know, somebody just waiting for that opportunity. Because I've, I mean, I have these people in my life mm-hmm. that I know personally that you know, something happens and they're like, well, we got to get all, we got to sue. And, uh, I'm sure that's terrifying for a, a business. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's a business. They're acting like a business instead of having people's care. I I don't know. I mean, I guess for them, they're in a catch 22. Yeah, they are. 
you know, how do we uphold the business? Because obviously there's that aspect of it, but then still provide the best care. And it's a balancing act that's not able, it's not even possible for it to be done well on that big of a scale. Yeah, no, I agree with you guys completely, but it's all in the wording. It's up to the patient. So all the time the patient can, if the doctor comes in and he's a geriatrician and he says, look, legally, we need to recommend you go to the ICU. But my opinion is that your, you know, husband to my mom would be fine if we do these things instead. Mm -hmm. And it's up to her to say, yeah, we're not going to the ICU. So legally they're off the hook. So it's a lot more about Uh. empowering like the patient self-advocacy yeah yeah and having the right tools my mom didn't no one talked to her she was just okay they said it's critical he must go um and I'm like what but nobody really educated her to say you know this is really expensive and it's maybe not necessary legally we have to do it what do you think Mm -hmm. um and so I guess that's more what I was saying if there could be more conversations more education um, it's also like, have you ever injured yourself and gone to the doctor and they want to do an MRI right away? And that's like thousands of dollars. No, I don't go because the sick people go to the doctor. <laughs> we don't go to the doctor. Just like when I get a cut on my skin, I'm like, I need to put some peroxide on it. I'm like, oh, I'm sure I'll get a shower later. That should, yeah. <laughs> that should fix this. Yeah. And so you use your intuition as an empowered, strong woman. And you probably know a PT that's next to you free diving or paddling out. <laughs> yep. And you're like, yo, could you look at this? Could you do some, you know, jungle medicine tests? And when I say that, like real physical assessment tests, I've had PTs save me thousands of dollars. And well, the system by saying, you know, you don't need an MRI. Let's try this first. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And let's go down the Western medicine path. So you gotta it's have just, a- yeah. I mean, unless you need, you know, amputation, you know, so broken something. um, Broken something's different. Yeah. Deep, deep gash, you know. You know, you want me to tell you a story about jungle medicine? Yeah. Uh, So I was in, I was on the, we were on the, out sailing, you know, we were in the Bahamas somewhere or whatever. And I started getting this little lump on my wrist, which has, you know, it's coming back. Okay. Anyway, it's like a synovial cyst kind of thing and so we were diving with this doctor and I was like hey can you take a look at this what should I do and he goes oh smash it with a phone book (laughs) and I said well if they still made phone books that sounds like a great way to save some money yeah let me do that (laughs) I never did it and it went away but it's coming back so I'm thinking I've got a big book you can smash it with yeah Google tells me not to smash it though (laughs) but that guy said just smash it (laughs) what do you think Lisa I love that. I love it. I mean, assist is so harmless, but again, Mm -hmm. like you're not always going to know that that's why you would go to the doctor. You might be thinking cancer and metastasis in your mind. Right. Right. And so it's really nice to have that opinion. And so, um, and that's an perfect example, but I agree, Laura, like certainly if you've got a broken bone, deep bleeding, need surgery, I mean, there's a place for Western medicine. Right. I just, I think it's just not set up to help us succeed. It, it, it is all about preventing like legal action, right? Yeah. Well, I'll say we flush that injustice down yeah. the drain. Because yeah, we could go on forever yeah, about exactly. That. But I think, you know, what ties in here to that injustice is your, um, your new profession. So you came out of nursing and you, from a place of burnout, and other things going on, which you can tell us about. But and then you've moved into this more self-advocacy coaching role and uh, more we holistic wanna, yeah, version of healthcare. Exactly. So maybe tell us how her business is called Nurse Your Soul. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cute? It's very cute. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, tell us how it got started and what 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 birthed it. The, you know, not the long, long version, but the I'll do my best. Thank you for that. And I guess I love nurse your soul too. It is all about healing from within the mind, body, and soul. Mm -hmm. And what I should say before I tell you my burnout story is my holistic roots came long before nurse, nurse practitioner being raised in Seattle. That was just the way of it in my communities, Mm -hmm. herbalists, supplement shops, Mm -hmm. studied with native herbal healers and learned about plant medicine back at age 18. And for me, like most humans, that was because with 
injuries from snowboarding at the time and wakeboarding, I, it, did, it never was enough. They would hand me opiates and say, that's mm. it. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. So mm-hmm. I would find nettle tea and different things to like boost my body, mm-hmm. mind, body health, mind, body, spirit, and physical health, and it heal things faster or massage or energy work. And so I started cultivating different holistic tools for myself <laughs> selfishly mm-hmm. before I ever got into becoming a nurse. And I had gone to the Solomon Islands to become an ethnobotanist, lived in the jungle and studied plants for medicine before, but, you know, just ultimately realized, wow, that's a, com- that's a commitment. I don't think I'm up for that. <laughs> so the vision was always to integrate Western and Eastern. Which is great. I think yeah. bo- having both is important. Yeah. It makes more sense. Yeah. 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 So that I've been a nurse, a nurse practitioner for about 14 years mm-hmm. and I've been holistic practicing mindfulness and all those things for about 20 years. Um, and so just like rewind to the beginning, a little before the pandemic. So I think I'll get my years wrong, but what, let's see. Pandemic was March, 2020. Yeah. 20. So yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Close <laughs> enough. So I turned, you mentioned age earlier. So I was about to hit my 40th birthday right before the pandemic hit. And I think a lot of women, moms can relate to this, that ego trip of like, ah, I need to prove to the world I'm still something. And like, I can run this marathon. And anyway, so I was training. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I turned 40 this year and I'm training for a marathon. (laughs) That's the midlife crisis or something. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have that. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that's what I did too. And, Damn. Uh, oh, that's man. hilarious. Yeah. I still got it, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, was training for this. It turned into a half very quickly, half marathon. <laughs> and my hamstring just wasn't working. So it just, no injury. It just wasn't working right. I ran the half marathon, no injury. And I woke up like two days later and I couldn't walk. Mm. I could not walk. Like my hips weren't working. My back wasn't working. And I was working full time as a nurse practitioner, had a two-year-old and a five-year-old. And so this was the beginning of this wake-up call of this journey, the understanding burnout. And so I was seeking answers for this pain, going down Western paths, not even recognizing that I was burnt out. And that is a story in and of itself of being a patient in the Mm. system, but essentially not really getting a cause from anybody and losing identities, right? Not able to mother, go to work um, and really just getting like quiet about like. It's your story too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. (laughs) Quiet about who, what is my worth? If I can't do in the world, if I can't surf, if I can't snowboard mother, who Mm -hmm. am I? Mm-hmm. So that was like wake up number one. And then the pandemic hits and we are in Seattle. So it was pretty hardcore there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I and can I was, imagine. Yeah. My territory as a hospice nurse practitioner was nursing homes. Mm. And first nursing home where everyone died was in my territory. And so mm. here I am thrown to the wolves, you know, no protective gear, Got little ones at home, still dealing with this pain, kind of starting to get back to work. Um, And I was just hating it. I was dreading it. I was irritable. I was angry. I was just like compassion fatigue. Like, didn't want to hear another patient say they were in pain. And Seattle was about to go into quiet lockdown. Like, don't leave your house, shelter in place. So we took a last ski trip, snowboarding trip as a family. And I was at least well enough to do that. And we're driving up to the mountain and it's very important to me, snowboarding and teaching my kids how to ski. And I get this call. Um, It's that call no one wants to get. The doctor says, can you sit down? I'm like, well, I'm sitting, okay. Um, And you know, in my mind, everything went quiet because I know what that means when a doctor says, you got a minute, can you sit down? Mm -hmm. And it was my OBGYN. So in seeking answers for my back, we had done all these scans and imagings and everything and all these specialists. And she said, we found a large grapefruit size, solid mass in your ovary. And the world just went quiet. 
like everything. This was like the, the wake up moment. This was the pause. Hey, post-session fans, Laurel here. Before we get back to Lisa's story, I want to tell you that I'm self-publishing my novel, Foam, and I'm running a little Kickstarter campaign to fund it. So there are a ton of cool rewards. And if you're one of the first 50 people to support me at the $50 tier, you'll be entered into a drawing for three free nights at our house in Rincon, Puerto Rico. So all you got to do is go to kickstarter.com. You can look me up via Laurel or look up publishing a novel foam and it, it'll come up either way. Now, let's get back to Lisa's story. Lisa Dunlap, thank you so much for coming on. So there was this pause moment, often in difficult times, stress, burnout. We don't, we're spinning, right? We're spinning or trauma. But I had this pause of like seeing my life up until that moment and seeing my future. A mass and an ovary, because of my work in hospice, is like the silent lady killer. Mm -hmm. Like ovarian cancer is very fast. And by the time it's found, because the symptoms are so obscure, you're usually stage four. Mm. So fear was just rampant. And I was like, you know, but at that moment, I just took a pause and I said to myself, where would I rather be? Because the doctor's saying, we need you to rush back to the, here's another doctor story, mm. rush back to the office. And this is an emergency. And I'm like, I'm not bleeding. I've been in pain for weeks. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on the mountain to my favorite place in the world with my family. I'm like, no. I was like, I will spin out in fear and do all that when I get back from this trip. We're in a pandemic, you know. Um, and I asked myself, and this is one of the keys to resilience and overcoming burnout. It's like, what do I need in this moment? Mm -hmm. Do I need to spin out or do I need to be with my family on top of this mountain? And that was the answer. And so I really just practiced self-compassion and said, you know, you might be dying or not, we don't know. Um, and where would you rather be? And for the next three days, it was kind of that dance of fear and anxiety and spiraling into all the what ifs. And, but if these are your last moments, how do you want to live them? And mm -hmm. I'm on this mountain and I was riding backcountry by myself, well, not by myself. You always have a buddy, but I was riding with not my family deep powder. I come down. I help my son two years old, learn how to ski. And I just thought, this is it. These people, this mountain. So that's, that's the first part of the story. I don't know if you guys have any questions or shall I keep going? Well, I think it's cool that you acknowledge that it wasn't just, oh, I just realigned my mind and there I went down that slope as opposed to this slope, but that it was a constant kind of, you know, choosing in the moments that came to divert back to 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 realign with in the moment self-compassion what how am I what is my goal and my goal is this and so I'm gonna I'm gonna go down that slope did you tell your family yeah I told my husband and I told we brought our nanny you know, it was like the dream trip, like bring the nanny and like we were staying on the mountain. And yeah, I mean, I don't know how much I can say in this, but definitely had some doobies in the forest with my nanny. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, am I dying or what? And, you know, but the, just that dance. I'm human. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's human. Everybody yeah. goes through fear and anxiety. And yet looking at all the gifts I have and for the first time in my life, someone who suffered from depression and anxiety and victim mentality. I was like, I have a choice here. Like this, I can't control, but like my thoughts, my heart and my actions. And so it was really powerful because it was choosing joy in a moment and of and months, the months that unfolded were chaotic, stressful too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what unfolded. And so we, we drove back. And went to the doctor's office. And that's when I had my spiral. When I saw the mass on the screen, I was like, oh, I can't breathe. It's already metastasizing. It's in my lungs. It's in my hips. Oh, like, no. Mm. But that was so, the place for the spiral. Yeah. 
Uh, you ah. chose to wait and have that. And, and isn't that the definition of joy is being able to find peace in, in well, the moment? Well, in, in the face of a, adversity and, uh, you know, division and hard times. Still Which being is able different to than denial. You know, the, yeah. because I allowed the feelings. It sounds cheesy, but you got to allow them. You can't deny. I mean, like I said, there were tears. I think I was crying as I was snowboarding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There were tears in the doctor's office. There was panic, my first panic attack, but I felt it. I let it come out. It yeah. wasn't like suck it up, go to work, called work right away. and was like back on work disabilities. Like, uh-uh, I'm not messing. I'm staying home. I'm going to be with the people I love. We're in a pandemic. I am so grateful for the heroes on the front line. It just wasn't right for me at that time. Right. And so, when you said goals and values, Laurel, that's a, exactly it. It's like figuring out what is important to you, not what's important to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can relate to that. They're hard decisions to make sometimes, though, because you have to leverage with kids anyway. My husband and I do this. We're leveraging what we really want for our family against what we feel like we should be providing for the family, which are not always the same thing. Yes. So it's a constant check-in. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I think you answered some of the questions that I had, like, well, but maybe you could put a finer point on it, like warning signs that you are getting close to burnout. Like, because you talk about prevention. But she's got to tell the rest of her story. Oh, okay, okay, okay. We were just chatting for a short Q&A. Oh, my fault. Go ahead. (laughs) I will wrap it up real quick because it's a long story, I know. But anyway, three months of waiting, a lot of waiting, a lot of waiting for answers, self-advocacy in the system. I'm not going to go there again, but Mm -hmm. had to use two systems against each other. Mm -hmm. Everyone's shutting shop. It's the pandemic. If it's not COVID, forget it. You're on a waiting list. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just... One thing I did every day to ground myself, got two little ones at home. You got a pandemic out there. You're in lockdown. None of those things you do like surfing and snowboarding anymore are available in pain. Wondering if I got cancer. I just said to my husband every day at noon, cause he's working full time. I need to go to my room on a yoga mat. I don't know what I'm going to do, but every day I need this grounding ritual. I did that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it looked like calling a friend and crying. Sometimes it was, resting but every day i'd ask what is it you need to feel nurtured not what does it look like to be in shape like i don't need to do yoga today because i think i have to is like i need to rest today or maybe Mm. today i do need yoga and so that was one ritual and i would envision the cells you've heard this a lot i'm Mm. sure in the world just like getting healthy little like converting dissolving i i wrote 40 people and said hey i got this problem Mm -hmm. I need help. I need you to pray. I need Mm -hmm. you to vision healing and see me surfing, see me snowboarding, see my family thriving. Mm. And they did. And I took moments throughout the day with screaming toddlers and this and that. And I would just, what can I do right now to feel good? And I would go barefoot in the grass. It sounds so cheesy, but a mini mindful. Oh, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. 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 And you just engage your five senses. It's a real trauma meditation, but you just, I see this, I hear this, I feel with my hands, I smell, I taste. And that's what we're doing surfing, I think, and free diving. But I just, it would just calm the racing mind and just, I'm safe, I'm secure, I'm healthy right now. Yeah. And those were some of the tools. So about eight weeks into this, finally got no ovarian cancer. Mm. Thank God. It was just a big old nasty lump. Well, we still don't know what caused it. So then they said, you might have uterine cancer, but we're going to go in and remove it surgically. You're on a wait list. If it bursts or torsions or any of that, don't come into the ER because it's so unsafe of COVID. Just deal with it at home. I'm like, okay. So, you know, just like wake up at night, bent over in pain. And, And again, you can find joy in pain. It's an interesting dance. It's like, I'm in pain, but I can't control this situation. It's when we resist the suffering that we resist what's happening that we suffer. So you just honor, I'm in pain. What can I do in pain? I can breathe. I can laugh. I can look at my kids and then just appreciate who they are. 
I can be present. And I kept imagining what my kids would want to see. Would they want to see mom crying on the couch in pain or mom enjoying laughter, playing with them on the floor? And that's, you know, got me through it. And so about another month went by, I got called into surgery. They went in, there was nothing there. Wow. Yeah. And that's what they said too. They got five sets of like opinions in there, looking at my image, looking at, she said, I've never seen a mass that's solid shrink like that in 12 weeks. I've never seen one. Like if it burst, we'd see a print, Mm -hmm. but it just was an inner knowing of all the things I've been doing in my life to that point of like, your mind can make you sick, Mm -hmm. stress, burnout, and your mind can make you well. And like that, I quit my job. And was like, Yeah. You yeah. had a you had a come to Jesus moment. <laughs> come Did, to Jesus, and I quit my six figure job. My husband almost had a heart attack, and just said, "I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to help other women in healthcare that are suffering like me from burnout, and I'm going to help them crawl out and find joy and thrive and heal, no matter so, what's going on." That's how the business birthed. Do you think it was a stress ball then? Yes, I do, <laughs> because it, it started in my hips, uh-huh. moved to my ovary. When that was gone, then then there was GI issues when I I danced with going back and forth to work. And I just felt like this moving ball of stress. Right. Mm. That your mind created. And then it just was, I I really needed to hear this, although I read your story. So it's kind of like a spoiler, but um, I needed to hear this this morning because like you, you know, we're similar in age, like I said, we're similar uh, and and then we have two kids and trying to do these things. Extreme sports. Yeah, right. And so my husband sometimes has to remind me to have perspective because even when a small stress will enter, typically I can keep it under wraps, but even when a small stress will enter, I'll spiral. Like this morning when I found out he got called to do this, uh, what is it called that he does? C. C trial. Yeah. And then I'm balancing it and I've got this interview and we got, you know, I don't want to be late. And he said, Ash, y- y- you know, what have we been, we've been talking about stress and that just being something that eats away at happiness and health and all those things. Why don't you just take it down a notch and everything will be fine. <laughs> And I thought he's right because what's going to happen if I'm if I'm late to the podcast? You guys get mad at me, and then that's the end of it. <laughs> you know, I don't have or, to create or, a stress ball in my ovaries over it, right? Or what really happened, which was uh, our guest appreciated that extra fifteen minutes. I stopped yep. for coffee, and uh, and nobody everything thought- <laughs> was fine. Yeah. <laughs> Our head creates this whole scenario that hasn't even played out. I was going to ask you for 15 more minutes. So when you wrote that, I was like, oh, my God. Gotcha. We can look unprofessional, not you. (laughs) (laughs) But it is the truth. You know, we live up here in the future and the past, right? Mm -hmm. And if we live in the moment, one of you already mentioned it, that's the goal. Because that's what we can control. We can control like this moment with you two is beautiful. No matter what's going on in my world when I leave this podcast, like I can just be here mm-hmm. and recognize that I have all that I need. I'm healthy. I'm beautiful. I'm loved. And you know, this gets starts to get into the tools for resilience because ultimately it was accepting myself as I was even on the couch, not as a nurse practitioner, a mom, a surfer, or whatever. I was just a human mm-hmm. who wasn't well. And I'm still worth it. Mm-hmm. And I could still be a beautiful human. And so all those things combined really just birthed business. And um, it's evolved over the last two years. Um, and I still love being a nurse practitioner. I just not to that scale of like full time in a pandemic. Right. I, you know, I know that you probably... Do you focus on women? Yes, I do. Because I bet you could really help a lot of veterans with PTSD and this kind of thing also, especially with identity crises, you know, on top of health issues. Yeah, I definitely, I've worked with veterans in my past as a nurse, and I've had a few come to me for coaching. I think people really resonate with your life experience and having Mm -hmm. not been in the military I don't have that life experience, but definitely trauma. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear you. And I focus on women. You didn't ask it, but I think it's important to say because uh, we have things stacked against us. 
and especially in the workplace, um, women are like 50% higher in, in healthcare with depression, um, mood disorders and burnout than men. And a lot of that is because we're caregivers at home for our kiddos. Yep. We've got elderly parents that we tend to be the ones to help with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not compartment compartment mentalizers, compartmentalizers. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. Absolutely. And we uh, have sexism in the workplace. We're paid less. So we already have these implicit biases. And I love men. It's not like I don't work with men if they want to, you know, work with me, but it's that I can resonate and they can resonate with our, my experience. And we're just at higher risk in the situation, especially in healthcare. But I think after the pandemic, there's all these stats coming out on working women, working moms, just how burnt out we are because doing it all. Mm-hmm. During the I so. agree. And I, it's not, um, yeah, it's, it's not sexism against men. I love men. Especially your man. Especially my man. And my man. That's right. But as females, we are a tribe yeah. of our own. And sometimes the men cannot relate to our tribe. And then there's sub-tribes like the mothers. That's a whole different set of crazy that I think everybody can't understand. You know, those um, feelings of guilt that you have for even doing this when you should be with should you know be with your kids or whatever it is it's this constant battle so uh yeah well the constant battle of applying the oxygen mask to yourself first yeah before passing it to the kids i see that a lot yeah yeah and i think a lot of women have just we've been raised to be givers and to find worth in giving and achieving and this concept of like but i'm a better human mother wife when I give here first. Mm-hmm. And what I learned in that journey, being stuck at home with little children was you don't need to give in these big grand acts. Like, yes, it's beautiful to go surf for two hours or go to get a massage, but actually two minutes here and there of stepping in nature, of making a choice to be mindful, um, not just worrying all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking of what can I do today for myself, not, oh my gosh, I have no time for myself. And we, we tend to do these big, like generalizations. If I can't do an hour of yoga, why do it at all? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I might would, you know, there's times that I've gone to the beach on a lunch break when I had my other job that I thought, oh, if I, I could do 30 minutes and that was enough, but now maybe I'm spoiled, but I'm thinking, uh, give me at least 45 minutes. Yeah, but you're good. <laughs> Even when you were working, you know, at the last job, you're good at, um, you're better maybe than me at just kind of being in the moment and being, cause I might not have made the effort to do that. I might've been like, Oh, I need to FaceTime my kids on my lunch break, <laughs> you know, or my husband loves to go outside on the patio for coffee with me every morning. Yeah. And I like to do that too. But then part of me is like, well, we should bring the kids with us, you know, because, (laughs) but just making those breaks sometimes is really hard. Yeah. So I I need to follow your example. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I don't have kids, you know, even when we fostered and maybe because, you know, we love them, but they weren't, we didn't birth them and they weren't with us from day one. So I'm sure there's a little difference, but we recognized that we needed breaks. I mean, we utilized uh, respite care, yeah. you know, and trusted that they're enjoyed and loved at that place too, so that we could have a weekend off. So, yeah, I mean, I think it is, it is a choice of saying, you know, well, number one, you got to know where you're at. Do I, am I stressed? Am I burnt out? Right. Symptoms. It, yeah, yeah. So that'd be a good place before getting in that is uh, the symptoms. I think people think of burnout as like midlife crisis, puddle yeah. of tears on the floor with a bottle of alcohol, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I call that Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking, guys. Yeah. So, you know, it is a little bit like that, but it's a continuum. It's not like a one and done. It's like you can have little bits of burnout. And mm-hmm. here's some of the lesser known symptoms like irritability. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yikes. 
dreading your day or dreading going to work, whichever. You could be a burnt out mom dreading taking care of the kids today mm-hmm. or burnt out entrepreneur. Like I do not want to do this another day. I am overdoing it. Um, compassion fatigue. You just don't want to hear another complaint or another. <laughs> another, another we yeah. can get that with our partners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, insomnia uh, is one. Also reaching for alcohol more. You're not an alcoholic, but just soothing after the long day. Mm-hmm. Um, also physical symptoms are a very strong indicator of burnout. Typically headaches, chronic joint pain, and then GI symptoms, mm-hmm. burning, reflux, any IBS. Rumbly tumby. <laughs> Rumbly tumby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some more that are a little lesser known, but anxiety, you know, your mood is tanking, um, you know, so then it's not easy to spot, right? Cause this could be a lot of things going on. Yeah. But- eating unhealthy might turn into more GI issues, but maybe you're eating less healthy because you're a little stressed or a little, yeah. yeah. Watching TV too late could give you insomnia. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> And so always knowing where you're at and that takes, that's humble. That's humbling, right? To mm-hmm. stop and say, Whoa, I'm, I am experiencing all of this. Take an assessment. And yes. And go ahead. No, no, no. Mm-mm. You go. Do you guys have more symptoms on quit or uh, questions on symptoms of burnout? No, but I, my next kind of thing would be because we've talked a lot about you know, your story and how that kind of manifested itself, the healing that you went through, and then burnout in in general and how people might recognize this in themselves. But a lot of people won't make the step to go to you. They'll go straight to antidepressants or, you know, they'll get some thyroid medication because I think it's a, I'm sure it's thyroid problems are probably confusing. No. Confuse these issues too. You don't think yeah, so? absolutely. Yeah. Or whatever. So what would drive somebody to you and what, you know, what process do you provide to do things differently? Do you do like a assessment first or do you change diet first? What happens? Ooh, great question. So I think most people are at the end of their line. They've tried. Um, and I should just mention like women in healthcare, the reason they're leaving so fast is burnout, right? So trauma can add in what we've seen with the pandemic. I I forgot to mention that long working hours, lack of control over your schedule Mm -hmm. and also not having meaning and purpose in your job. So sometimes you just get burnout because you're going and it doesn't align with your values. Yeah. So I think that people that come to me have tried things and they're ready to leave the career or their marriage or, you know, cause it's the whole picture. When I work with people, it's not just you're a nurse unhappy in your job. Mm-hmm. Um, and they feel at the end of their rope. A lot of people don't know that coaching exists or right. that burnout exists. So people find me on Facebook, on Instagram, but ultimately they're seeking. It's like people seeking your podcast. They're like, Oh, I want some surfer extreme cool women teaching neat things. Um, so podcasts, Um, people are searching Facebook groups. So I have a Facebook group burnout to bliss for females in healthcare. So they may not even know, Mm -hmm. but they just find it and they're listening to the the content. And And once they hear it, they're like, ding, ding, ding. Right. It's like, then they hear the stories of the other women in my Facebook group, you know, 300 women are, Oh my God, we're all burnt out. One of the other symptoms of burnout, I forgot to mention, is so important is isolation. Mm. You feel so alone. Especially with COVID. I mean, yeah. you throw that in the mix and then it's even just, I'm sure, mag- magnified. Right. And so once people see that they're not alone and they start hearing other stories, then they're like, oh, well, what did that person do to make it work? How are mm-hmm. you still? And that's kind of how this coaching world works. And so... When I work with women, it's a process. I have a structure, but then there's customization. But ultimately we go through, what are your core values? Mm -hmm. Because in that period of time for me, I had to decide what was really important. Mm -hmm. And every choice from then on out was based on my core values. I wasn't going to compromise anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I left the job and my husband's like, Mm -hmm. we can't afford that. Like, it's, I'll be sick. We'll you learn to. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. And you can live on less. You can live on less. Yeah. We can move across the country from Seattle to Wilmington. Yeah. So like the thing is, is that core values are really important. And then we look at some of our limiting beliefs holding us back from whatever our vision for ourselves is. So we write out a vision and it, it doesn't have to be this grand dream vision script. It could just be, I want to wake up and drink coffee on the patio every day. Cause I want a slow morning. Mm-hmm. I want to surf at lunch. I want to have enough money, you know? So we create this image of like, what do you want your life to look like? Mm-hmm. And then we work on those limiting beliefs that are holding us back. Yeah. Usually it's fear, self-worth, mm-hmm. doubt, guilt, shame, doubt. And we reframe those and we talk about customized affirmations and how that the affirmation in and of itself may not change you, but what we're doing is changing the conversation in our brain. So self-compassion is the underlying thing that I'm always teaching and mindfulness. So we become aware of what our brain is saying. Oh, not only are you burnt out, but you're worthless because you're burnt out or you don't deserve to take a break. And you're not a good mom because you're, you're taking getting. a break or you're yeah. not paying attention to them right now or they're mad at you and you suck. So well, well, go ahead. Yeah. Well, will people think of me if I'm out surfing at lunch and what, <laughs> what will people think of me if I'm they're going to like under- me more? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But some people in my world are not. They're jealous yeah. or they're angry because it's not what I should be doing. Right. And I think that the image of the career you thought you should have and losing that ego a little bit. And so a lot of fear and anxiety for nurses and nurse practitioners, they, their identity is wrapped in. This is who I career. am. Yeah. And Caregiver. Forgot, forgotten what I love and that I deserve to do those things. And so we those affirmations, just that inner conversation, we start to work with that and how we can love ourselves and accept ourselves again and really just <clears throat> realize we're not broken. Like ultimately we're all human and we're not trying to fix ourselves. We're just trying to be happy with who we are and where we're at mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. finding joy in the mud puddle. Well, I know? think mm. I think that's a nice segue into the our, our Devo portion of the podcast because God waters, because I think you bring up such a um, a point that if when you come into acceptance and acknowledging your your worth, not based on an identity that was created that, you know, oh, I'm a nurse or, oh, I work in the film business or, oh, I'm a free diver, a free diver, a world record holding free diver. Or, you know, when I'm 125 pounds or in perfect fit condition, then I'm then I'm good enough. And especially people that are driven, super driven, y'all too, not me, but, you know, really driven. Oh, in the vision. I'm just yeah, don't even Book writer, movie writer. <laughs> yeah, she's full yeah. of crap. But um, but being able to, I, I feel like, um, well, we always pick a scripture. So the, the scripture I picked for the God waters was Jeremiah 31, 25. And it's for, I will refresh the weary soul and replenish all who are weak. That should be on your door. <laughs> I like it. I know. What was it, Jeremiah? What? 31 verse 25. For I will refresh the weary soul and replenish all who are weak. And for me, I know when I let go of some expectations that I'd put on myself and kind of actually lost some of the parts of me that I thought, oh, that's my identity. Maybe it was this, maybe it was surfing when I had plantar fasciitis and I couldn't do any of the stuff that I loved. Um, But being able to rest in those moments and rest knowing that I was, I was loved and I was valuable and worthy even when I wasn't performing or, um, or whatever it was. I, I remember having this moment with, with God where I was just uh, like, God, what what is your truth for me? You know, what's the lie that I'm believing that's kind of keeping me hung up? And so I had this little vision of <clears throat> feeling like 
I had seen this these kids. I was at a um, a filming. It was for the film industry and some of the parents that were over some film students who were there. So the parents were asking this actress who was answering questions. She was in the film that they showed and they were like, oh, well, you know, my son's in the business, you know, in school for film. How's the what are the best next steps for them? And I got this sense that um, just like those parents were so proud of their kids and so excited and wanted to, you know, I got that feeling that God was sharing. That's how he is with us. Like mm-hmm. he's the, like I almost saw an animated version of God going, Ooh, Ooh. And my daughter, she's got this, this, and this. And Oh, Oh, let me tell you about how I see her. Uh-huh. And it was just like a moment where I just started crying and just realized that God, or what I believe is he, God just, I don't know what, maybe what he revealed to me in that moment was just that who I was and who I was made to be was enough, more than enough. And it's pretty incredible, even when it's not looking like what I wanted it to look like. But that's hard to accept sometimes. Yeah. It's a like like what you said, Lisa, where when you're on that mountain with your family and being able to choose which slope to be on, it was a it was a it's still a battle, you know, like you have to realign, realign. And I, I still yeah. see that. That didn't change all those thoughts that I sometimes have of I'm not good enough or I'm, you know, oh, I'm 50 years old and I haven't, I'm not getting paid for anything ever. But in that moment, <laughs> in that moment you cried, maybe because it was liberating to know that all those expectations you put on yourself, God right. didn't have those for you. Yeah. And that feels good. Yeah. When I when I had children, I was at the I was at the peak of my freediving career probably when I had our first child. And for a split second, I felt things kind of collapsing. I was really excited on one hand, but also I felt things collapsing. But I'll tell you what, my freediving did nothing but improve after I had children because this new perspective was so healthy. Mm. And it was so outside of my ego. It was just for fun after that. And in that freedom of just having fun with it, uh-huh. I was able to excel and, 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 and go much deeper than I had even before because it wasn't about me. But that's the whole point of the book, isn't it? <laughs> I know you wrote a book. You wrote a book too, Ashley. No, I was just talking about the Bible. Uh, Bible. Maybe you should write a book. Um, Well, I love all of that. And I love what you said, Laurel, about the mindset. Doesn't sometimes people look at me and say, oh, you just like born this way or like now I'm done with self-worth issues. No, like (laughs) it's just the awareness. That's the mindfulness piece of being aware of your thoughts, not always being in your thoughts and emotions. And that's what prayer does and our connection to God. And that I see my inner conversation now and I can say, you know, I don't like that. And just like you talked about a a parent child, that's the self-compassion practice is when you honor where you're at and how you're feeling, instead of feeling bad about it, you imagine a nurturing figure, God, a parent, and what they would say to you. And then you start to say those things to yourself. Yes, like a crazy person. (laughs) (laughs) I am beautiful. I am strong. I am worthy. I'm a free diver and a mom. And it, it, the studies show, because it's important to say that mindfulness, self-compassion, prayer work, even in those many moments to Mm -hmm. shift, burnout, anxiety, fear, stress. And so it doesn't have to be prayer or meditation on your mat for 30 minutes. That's wonderful. But it can just be that moment of shifting your thinking. And that spiritual piece is huge. I mean, I think that's the the most important. People who come to me don't, we don't work on the surface. It's, it's not going to work. You can do the checklist boxes of things that make you reduce stress and become happy. But it's really about your soul, like your um, scripture said that it just, what does your soul need? And what are the gifts that I'm supposed to give? And how can I share them best with the world? Well, that's to nurture my soul first mm-hmm. and then I can nurture other souls. Yeah. Yeah. I tell oh. you what, 
That was a good one. Yeah, that yeah, was a that real was a good, good one. one. I, I can't wait for my mom to listen to this podcast. I think she'll like it. Yeah. Actually, my mother-in-law, too. They will both really benefit from this podcast, I think. Well, Lisa, why don't you tell our uh, audience how they can find you if they want to employ you or read more about you? Mm-hmm. Sure. Thank you for the opportunity. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, the same handle at nurse your soul with Lisa, just like spell it how it sounds. Um, and I also have a website, nurse your soul with Um, I'd love to give your listeners a freebie. It's a self-compassion practice, like a guided one. It's three minutes. And then I have a little, you know, tip sheet on how to do it. Awesome. Um, yeah, very cool. Very you cool. You know what, Lisa? I'll, when we make the episode page, I'll link everything in there, your website, the Instagram, the Facebook. And as far as this um, for the listeners, I'll put some I'll talk to you off camera, uh, off the mic, and um, we'll give them directions on how to engage that opportunity. Sure. It's just a link. Like you can include the link. It's just one of those links. Cool. It'll take them to yeah. a page cool. where they can get download the freebie. And so you can even just include the link. If yeah. You, if that's yeah. Enough. That's even easier. Easier. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Lisa, for joining um, us. Thank you listeners for uh, putting us on, on your walk or run or drive and, while you vacuum, whatevs. Whatevs, mowing the grass. <laughs> and uh, listeners, I encourage you to take advantage of the, the link that Lisa's going to provide because it sounds like um, even if you're not in crisis or not burning out or not a healthcare professional. Let's prevent it. Let's prevent it, right? <laughs> Isn't that the tone? Absolutely. Of the- you can restore and revi- revive yourself uh, in any way. In fact, I have a surfing group for moms here in Wilmington for that reason. It's free. And you can find that um, on Facebook too, Wrightsville Beach Surfing Moms. And that it's just all about restoring ourselves. Thank you for this opportunity and this great podcast. I love this platform you guys have and that it takes a deep dive into real stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, because people can resonate with that. Um, you know, we're all out there surfing or free diving, but it's so nice to just know that everyone else is human, right? Yeah. yeah we're all just trying to get by. Thank um, I look forward to meeting you in person, Lisa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you too. Thank you so much. And we're going to say adios. Adios.